Well, good morning, friends. My name is Pastor Milo. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, we've got, this is an appropriate illustration happening for you right now. Timing is everything. We have a lot of moving parts this morning and trying to get all the pieces and parts moving. And so we have to make sure all of our timing is down. And nice job, guys, being able to get through that. We wanted to see how quickly we could get a choir in and out. Now you know. There you go. Uh, will you open your Bibles this morning to Luke, the book of Luke? Luke chapter 17 is where we're headed this morning. If you're using the black Bibles in front of you, it's page 1096. 1096. So yes, I want to start this morning with that phrase. Timing is everything. At the bottom line, timing is everything. Uh, I can give you a specific example of this that happened yesterday. So I want to share it with you and brag on my kids at the same time. So uh, we had a soccer game yesterday. Pretty big game uh, of an 11-year-old, or excuse me, a 12-year-old, and uh, she's very excited about the game. And so, or no, it was our 11-year-old. Sorry, get my kids mixed. Does anyone else get your kids mixed up? How old they are, when their birthdays are, what year it is? You know, it's all kind of a blur for the <laughs> last few years. Okay, she's 10. She's 10. My goodness. <laughs> She's not in this room, and you keep that between you and me. <laughs> so there's a soccer game yesterday. Pretty big game. This is the, the ultimate opponent in the league. This, this team is the premier team. I mean, they are top dog. They take names and, and you know, the other part of that statement. And so uh, they are wiping out everybody in the league, and our girls are playing against them, and they're playing really good. And with two minutes to go in the first half, it's all about time. Two minutes to go. I don't know if you know enough about soccer, but uh, they're pretty long games. They're 90-minute games. And so uh, with two minutes to go in the first half, we score a goal to go ahead. And then within uh, that two minutes, uh, very quickly, uh, our, one of our girls uh, came up on the ball, and there was a penalty. And so instead of letting things kind of happen, she set the ball down, and she just kicked the ball, and boom, scored a second time. So now we're up by two points. And so the game starts to go on the second half. We've got a two-point advantage on this team that's supposed to be able to clean our clocks. And eventually uh, what ends up happening is their team uh, kicks two different shots that ricochet off the goalpost. Uh, the one ricochets off on the inside edge of the goalpost and should definitely have gone in and it just pops right into our goalkeeper's hands and surprises the bejeebies out of her. And so she catches the ball. And the end of the game, it's, it's, we're up by one point. The game comes down, and their team, who always is used to winning, is frantic trying to get score to, to score, and time runs out the clock, and our girls win by one point, and we're very excited about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Timing is everything. I really do believe we would have lost the game if our... One of the girls on the team, if she had not been present enough to realize that this timing, at this moment, the girls are kind of on their heels, that you can score right now, and they're not going to realize that you're coming after them. Uh, the pole vault, I was a pole vaulter in high school, is all about timing. You run fast, you stick a pole on the ground, and you go over the bar. There's not a whole lot more to it than that. The rest of it is all about timing. You, you, your job is to make sure that your pole hits the pit at the right time, that you arch your back at the right time, that you are leaning back and you're letting the pole shoot you over the bar at the right time, and that you turn your body at the right time. And all of this is happening in milliseconds. I remember uh, sharing with one of my friends uh, on the team that, like, isn't this incredible that while you're running as fast as you can run towards this target, 
that your brain is able to calculate the closing distance, be able to tell the muscle group what to do to aim it in the pit and then to be able to hit and then arch your back and bring your knee up and run and all that stuff that has to happen over and over and over perfectly every time. Isn't it amazing what evolution can do? And, and God created us beautifully. And the guy looked back at me like, dude, I'm just jumping over the bar. I don't know. Okay, like I was getting way too philosophical for him on it. But timing is everything. You need to be able to turn your body at the right time, at the right second. And I was a high school athlete. And really when the guys who are doing it at the Olympic level, it is incredible to watch what they do. And it's all about the timing. I couldn't talk about timing without bringing up America's Funniest Home Videos because that's really what that whole dynasty is all about is timing. And one of my absolute favorites is a baseball game. It's a 15 second clip. You can look it up. It's early 2000s, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, the pitch is thrown and the baseball uh, player, he hits a home run and he knocks it out of the park and the fans are cheering and this poor soul is riding his bicycle on the sidewalk nearby and it hits him in the head as he rides by the stadium. I mean, what are the odds of that? Like it, the timing of that is incredible. Timing is important in cooking. Uh, it's the difference between having something a little bit rare and something that looks like a piece of charcoal, right? Timing is important. Timing is important in medicine. Uh, you are supposed to take your medicine every day. Uh, some of you decide, oh, I missed two or three days. I'll just take two or three days worth of medicine. It's not how it works. Timing is very important. Extra doses could be deadly. Timing is important in finance, and that's what the whole idea of the stock market is, is people think that they've got it figured out, that they know what the right time is to put money in, the right time to take money out, and that's why we see the up and down. It's all about the timing. So when we enter the scene here, uh, we're in this sermon series called The Journey to Jerusalem, and Jesus in Luke chapter 9 sets his face towards Jerusalem and tells everybody, I must go to Jerusalem. And not only do his disciples know that's where he's headed, the followers who are, are gathered around, the people around him know that he is headed to Jerusalem. And they are whispering to each other, talking to each other, is this the time? You see, timing is everything. Is this, is this the time? This is, uh, if he's the Messiah that we think that he is, and even the religious leaders you'll see are going to ask him this question. Because if you are implying that you are the son of man, the son of God, then that would mean that as you are heading towards Jerusalem, this is the time that we've been waiting for. <coughs> There's been 400 years of silence waiting for the prophet who would come, the one they called the Messiah, who is going to rescue them, who is going to pull them out from underneath the authority of the Roman rule that has just got them clamped down. Is this the time? So they ask him, they ask him this question we're going to look at in just a moment. When will the kingdom of God come? Now, they were looking for a very materialistic and tangible earthly kingdom right now. Uh, when they asked him this question, they, Jesus could have responded a number of different ways. He could have said, listen, <coughs> I'm about a day's journey from Jerusalem. You do the math. That's kind of what they're, they're trying to figure out. He also could have said, in a few years I'll raise up my servant, uh, Tim LaHaye, and he's going to write this book series called Left Behind. And if you read that series, you'll know exactly when the kingdom of God is going to come. But don't worry, if you miss that series, then uh, there's going to be a movie series that's going to follow that. And Kirk Cameron is going to star in it, and then he will tell you uh, when the time is. And, they're like, and the disciples are like, oh, Kirk Cameron, I remember him. He's the one from Growing Pains, right? It's like, yes. No, no, no. The time is now. If you've got your 
If you've got your uh, bulletins this morning, there's a white sheet of paper for you this morning. We've got a couple of fill-ins for you. The first one we want you to see is the time is now. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21 will show us that the kingdom of God is present. The time is now. The kingdom of God is present. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. Once, I'm being asked by the Pharisees when. You can circle this, underline this. You'll see it a number of times in this passage. So mark it every time you see it. When the kingdom of God would come. So mark that down. Circle it. Star it. Highlight it. Paint all over your Bibles. Jesus replied, the kingdom of God, there it is again, is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is because, underline it again, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's all about timing. And so they want to know when the kingdom of God will come. This man who supposes that he is the Lord, the one that they have been waiting for. These Pharisees want to catch him in the act, make a fool of him and ask him, when is the time that the kingdom will come? And Jesus simply will not respond. They ask him when and Jesus responds, his answer is where. They ask him when the kingdom will come, and his answer is where. Jesus will first correct the misunderstanding of the kingdom, that there would be observable signs, that there would be these unmistakable things, that that Rome would be overturned, that Israel would be vindicated, that an earthly kingdom would be established. These are all the tangible things that they are looking for that would happen. They could say, now we know that the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus is saying, no. The kingdom of God will not be observed like that. There's a mystery about the coming kingdom. And it's here in your midst without all of those observable signs. Why? Because it is here because I am here. It says the kingdom of God is here because I am here. And he, he, he cautions them. and He'll caution us in the same way to not be looking for observable signs like some spy looking out to see if we can understand the future and try to second guess what God is up to. Often we can be looking for something that's way out there and miss what's lying right beneath our noses. So they misunderstood the nature of the kingdom and they thus missed the present reality, the kingdom of God in the form of Jesus Christ. Just like Dylan said in his video, the tangible form of God, Jesus Christ, was right there in their midst. If you're looking for the kingdom, he says, then you must desire to be with the king. I am the king. My kingdom is right here. See, the term kingdom used by Jesus means reign, not realm. The kingdom by Jesus means reign, not realm. Reign is to rule on the throne. Realm is the geographical location of the kingdom. And they want to know when And he tells them where. And he is talking specifically about the one who would rule and reign on the throne. And they were getting too caught up with the location and the time. The time is now. The kingdom is present. Secondly, the time is coming. And the kingdom of God is not present. The kingdom of God is coming and it is not present. Verse 22, then he said to his disciples, the time is coming. Circle that, underline it, star it. When you will long to see the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it, then people will tell you, there he is, here he is. Do not go running off after them. A term that is thrown around constantly right now is the idea of fake news. 
Jesus says, don't get caught chasing fake news. There he is. Here he is. The kingdom is here. Go look for it. He says, don't go running off after it. So these will be false reports saying that he's returned in this place or another. He was in Jerusalem. In other words, they thought he was about to make his move on the power center of what they understood to be the power center of the land and that earthly kingdom. This was a common misconception that the coming kingdom was going to be there. And so they're going to all run to it and keep an eye on him. They're all following him. This crowd is following him to Jerusalem. And they thought that there would be these signs and these wonders that would be a result of the destruction of the enemy there in front of them, Israel's enemies, and establish a new reign in the land. And he is saying, don't chase after that. Don't go running after that. That's not what this is about. So that's the fake news. The real news will not be able to be disputed. The real news will be so obvious that no one can miss it. It will be as obvious and as evident as the flashing lightning across the skies. Verse 24. For the Son of Man, in his day, box that, circle it, underline it, in his day, in his time, the time that he has set, will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky. Check this out. From one end to the other. There will be nowhere that you cannot see this. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus makes it clear that this kingdom is coming. And that overthrow may not happen now, but it would be a long time in the future. And when that happened, it would be clear and obvious and present to every person from one end to the other. He is telling his followers, he's telling his listeners, and he's telling us today, Jesus was going to be going back to heaven. And he'll be gone for some time before he returns to establish his kingdom in power and glory. But make no mistake, the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is future, and the kingdom of God is now. And then he gives two examples for us. Specifically, the Jewish readers, the Jewish listeners, would know these two examples inside and out. And hopefully you do as well this morning. We'll dig into them a little bit here. Here's the first example. Verse 26. Just as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came circle, underline, mark it, and destroyed them all. So he tells of Noah, this first example of Noah. Noah is the one with the big boat where all the people get in the boat because there is the storm that is coming. This storm that comes is going to wipe out all living things on the face of the earth. And they get into the boat, but they have laughed and made fun of Noah for years and years. And the only people who could get in the boat or chose to get in the ark are his family. His close family, the people that he could physically grab a hold of and pull in with him. And what do we find when we read the story of Noah is that God closes the door. And at that point, everybody says, oh, because it's obvious now. Just like he is talking about in the future, it's obvious the rain is coming. It is starting to fall from the sky. Water is starting to fill the ground. Now they're pounding on the side of the ark saying, let me in. And he said, no, no, no. You had every opportunity to come in. That door has been closed. Then he gives this second example in verse 28. It was the same in the days of Lot. People, they were doing what? They were very similar, eating and drinking. They were buying and selling, planting and building, as if they had as much time as you could imagine. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven, here's the same statement, and destroyed them all. So the second example we see of Lot 
Lot is living in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah are sinful, disreputable place. And God has given them every chance to turn away from their sin. He's given them every chance to leave the city. Abraham is negotiating with God. He says, if there is a hundred, if there's a thousand people, uh, would you save the city? If there's a hundred people, if there's 50 people, if there's 10 people, would you save the city? And God says, just tell them to get out of the city. And Lot and his family flee the city. And what do we find? We find that his wife couldn't even tear her eyes away from the city as they were leaving. And she is turned into a pillar of salt. As scripture says here, it has destroyed them all. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. These are the two examples that he gives. For the Son of Man, verse 24, in his day it will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, one example to the other. In the first example, they are marrying, they are having a party, they are enjoying one another. In the second example, they are building, they're building, growing crops, they're enjoying their time in the city. In both examples, from one end to another, their opportunity had been given, and what? Every one of them were destroyed because they did not accept the offer that was given to them. Why? Because timing is everything. So if we're going to use that as a transitional statement, if timing is everything, then, if then, how should we live? If timing is everything, how should we live? Here's your next fill-in. Live in the fullness of of time. Live in the fullness of time. Verse 30. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. We'll get some more examples there. It will be just like this on the day, that day, that the Son of Man is revealed. Not too long ago we were in the sermon series that we opened the book of Revelation and we said the book of Revelation is the revealing of who? Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is revealed. It'll be like this on the day he is revealed. If you remember, uh, it'll be just like that idea of the television show where they say, bus driver, move that bus, and they move it away, and everything is made clear, what they've been working on the whole time. Jesus is revealed. Now, I'm working on a project at my house. We got an addition going on the house. We're working on all kinds of things. We are not ready to reveal that thing yet. And as, as cool as they make it look on TV, as, as fast as it, like, like in three hours, they can make a house that looks like this look like this. And it's incredible. And you watch it all happen in 30 minutes. But when it comes down to being the great reveal, there are a lot of things that you don't think about or I don't think about of like how much paint needs to go on this uh, section of baseboard. And oh, we forgot to put door handles on the door. And you know, like the, the list just is, a, it's a long list. Our windows, oh, we got to make sure that they open. <laughs> All of those things. And some of you have lived through these projects, and you know, like, there are some things in your house right now that 15 years ago you said you're going to deal with in the next 10 days. And for instance, a friend of mine, I helped him redo his house, his kitchen, put everything in the cupboard above uh, the refrigerator. Uh, it was in, you push the refrigerator in, and the top of the refrigerator, where the door is, was just enough to block it so the two doors of the cupboard above the fridge can't open unless you back the whole refrigerator out. That was 11 years ago. That kitchen looks great. You could take pictures of it. You could do the great reveal, invite everybody in. Just don't open up that cupboard. 
There's nothing in that cupboard as far as I know. So when Jesus revealed in the book of Revelation, it will be just like this on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Will you stick one finger, please, there in the book of Luke? Flip over a few pages to Galatians chapter 4. Turn over a few pages. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, says this. This is the Apostle Paul talking. But when the set time had what? Fully come, circle it, pencil it, mark it. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are all his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Verse 7, so you're no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are God's child, God has also made you an heir. At just the right time, the perfect timing in history, Jesus comes and is born in the manger. What we celebrate at Christmas, the powerful story that we celebrate of Jesus, God creator, God, who spun all things into existence, allows himself to come in this humble form of a baby, born in the manger, into this world. It was no matter of chance or coincidence. It was the perfect time to do so. It was part of God's divine plan established before he even spun the earth into motion, before the earth was founded, before the foundation of the world. Timing is everything. Warren Wearsby says this, Historians tell us that the Roman world was in great expectation, waiting for a deliverer at the time that Jesus was born. The old religions were dying. The old philosophies were empty and powerless to change men's lives. Strange new mystery religions were invading the empire. Religious bankruptcy and spiritual hunger were everywhere. God was preparing the world for the arrival of his son. The time had fully arrived. God placed his son in the manger at exactly the right time. Why would God do that? Paul says here that he did that so that he could adopt you. So that this kingdom that we're talking about, that the king himself, that you could be heir to the throne, that you could be one of his children. God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you need. And at just the right time, he comes to you and he provides exactly what you need at the right moment. God's timing is always perfect. Live in the fullness of time. Why? The kingdom is a beautiful mystery. That's a fill-in for you. The kingdom is a beautiful mystery. We talk about this principle. The kingdom of God works on the already but not yet principle. The kingdom of God works on the already but not yet principle. The parables that we've been studying in this series specifically, they talk about this idea of the banquet meal, the table that we are all going to be at. Come to the table, he says, find your place, find your seat at the table. There will be some who will not be invited in, but the table will be there. Come to the table, and it's all way out there in the future. But at the same time, he talks about the time is now. He demonstrates with his ministry as he moves about What do we see? We see stories of the lame who walk. 
We see stories of the blind who see. We see stories of those who are dead. A child is dead. And, and Jesus comes in and takes the child by the hand and she comes to life. The kingdom is now. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is asleep in the boat. And the storm comes up in the Sea of Galilee. I mean, and this is a monster storm, a storm of the century. It is, now the Sea of Galilee traditionally, historically, was a bad place for storms. But these were fishermen. They should know how to handle a storm. And the storm is throwing the boat back and forth. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. It says Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves. Raise your hand if you've got kids this morning. That's not a trick question. <laughs> Although I, the person next to you might be like, oh, didn't know that one. Okay, so you've got kids this morning. There are times where you use this, this rebuke where the kids are all supposed to be in bed. You and your wife are supposed to have the three minutes that you were supposed to get tonight to watch your favorite show and then fall asleep, pass out, and not see any of it. And you hear upstairs, you rebuke them. Go to bed! If you don't have kids, raise your hand if you've got a dog or a cat. And someone comes to your house and they ring the doorbell and your dog decides it is going to eat the door and then get to whatever's on the other side of that door and eat that as well. And all of the time that you spent training that dog and it sits perfectly and does everything it's supposed to do. It smiles at you when you say smile. It walks on its back feet. All of those things. And now you're afraid that you're going to be on television because you threw your dog out the window, the second story window, right? And you grab that dog and you say, whatever you send it, to the crate, to the room, to the pit of hell, wherever it is that you're going to send that dog, you tell that dog, you rebuke that dog. Jesus is asleep in the boat and he wakes up and rebukes the storm. You ever been out in a parking lot at some workplace and there is a car alarm going off. All that is going on, right? And some guy comes out, sticks his head out the door, and says, Oh man, I'm sorry. Boop, boop. Jesus did that to the storm. He wakes up and he goes up on the boat and he says, Oh, I'm sorry. Boop, boop. Storm stops. That is a present kingdom. That is a beautiful mystery. We don't understand how that works. We cannot fathom how that works. We cannot describe how that works. That is a God who is God, and we are not. Live in the fullness of time. Lastly, live in the balance of time. Live in the balance of time. Verse 33 says this. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake, in some translations, will save it or will preserve it. God's balance of time is entirely different than yours and mine. 
Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. What's the bottom line here? Seek first the kingdom of God. God's scorecards are different than yours and mine. It's the month of March. March Madness is about to explode, and, and men will miss lots of work, and women, sorry. You'll miss lots of work this week watching basketball next week, th- this month, watching basketball. And it's all about the timing. It's all about now, now great coaches don't always look at the scoreboard at the end of the game. Great coaches keep a different type of scorecard. They said, well, if you took every single shot that we took today and you shot 50%, that's okay. But if we win the game, it's all based on one player. Let's talk about what it looks like to pass the ball around a little bit. The scorecards are a little bit different. Or in the same way, they lose the game. But that coach can look at the scorecard and he can say, here's all the things that we did well. We played our very best. We put our best feet, our best players on the floor and we played our brains out. Those scorecards look differently. You understand in God's kingdom, the scorecards look different than what we see on the surface. He says, whoever will keep their, uh, tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. The way that we live our lives here on this planet, if we are focused on the kingdom to come, if we are focused on the future, if we understand that we are living our lives for a bigger purpose, then those around us might be confused, honestly. They say, I don't understand your priority system. I don't understand how you're spending your time. I don't understand how you're spending your money. I don't understand how you decide which relationships to have and which ones you don't have, or how you don't dismiss this friend from your list just because he's uncomfortable to be around. I don't understand how that works. Why? Because God's balance is different than ours. Whoever loses their life for my sake, he says, will preserve it. Seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 6, we get the example, the explanation behind that. Why worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor, they spin. I'd say that Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. So don't worry. What shall we eat? What will she drink? What will we wear? The pagans run after all of these things. They're seeking after all of these worldly things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Chase after those things. Live in that balance of time. So this morning, are you giving everything to God? Have you surrendered all to him knowing that it's all his anyway? That's where the balance really is. Timing is everything. Today could be the day. This afternoon I'm going skiing. We like to do that on Sunday afternoons. I might go down a hill and go over a jump and just keep on going up. I don't know. Today could be the day. I could also eat it, and that could also be the day, I suppose. Are you ready? The rest of this passage talks about your family relationships. They won't save you. Your membership here as a church, they won't save you. There'll be two people in one bed, it says here. And one will be taken and the other will be left. God's division of his kingdom is not between nations or geographical locations. No, it's within families. It's within dorm rooms. It's within living rooms. It's within boardrooms. There's a division there. Why? Because it is all about those who understand who Jesus is. He is God incarnate. 
Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? As all of you know now, Billy Graham passed away. One of the statements that he said is, The greatest waste in all the earth is the waste of the time God has given us each day. The greatest waste in all the earth is the waste of time that God has given each of us today. The time is coming. Seek first the kingdom of God. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. It challenges us this morning not to waste our time. It challenges us this morning not to be procrastinators. Lord, to know that we know that we know that you are God and you've got it all under control. And we seek first your kingdom this morning. Lord, there are many here who need to respond to you. There are many here who have been seeking another kingdom, Lord, the kingdom of darkness. Because as you've taught in your scripture, you can't have it both ways. You cannot live on the fence. You are either serving one or the other. Lord, teach us to seek you first. If timing is everything, we choose to live our time to the fullest, seeking after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.